time to go? Yeah, we're going. Okay, this is a podcast. It's called Recovered AF. That stands for as fuck. Kyle, my name is Aaron. I'm a co-host. Why do you say my name? Because I was going to say you're going to give a disclaimer, but I jumped the gun and forgot to say who, who I was, which is most important. I think all our listeners already know who I am, and that's probably why they're turn, tuning in, Kyle. People tell me all the time I'm the favorite guest, <laughs> just so you know. Your mom, my mom. <laughs> sometimes texts me and says, mm, I know Kyle's my son, Aaron, but do you think you could talk more? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll do a quick disclaimer. We're not affiliated with any 12-step organization. Those organizations don't have spokespeople or representatives. If they did, they would not pick Aaron. <laughs> I don't think they'd pick me either. Um <laughs> And I, they might pick our guest. Our guest is a big deal. So, yeah, but uh, no, we're not representatives or spokespeople for those groups. Those groups don't have those things. This is just Aaron and I's experience. And if we have a guest, their experience of um, generally getting sober at some point and then whatever else is going on in their life. That's kind of what we like about this is we get into any and everything that they might be doing in their in their life that helps them navigate the world uh, and still be able to be successful. And our guest today, I think, is a really good example of that. So, Aaron, why don't you introduce our guest, Gunner? Okay, I will introduce our guest, Gunner. So, um, Gunner and I first met, we went to the same treatment center, and back back they had a program. All of us did. What's that? Yeah, we all did, because it's pretty popular regionally. Anyway, um, and uh, they had a program where... If you live in the same town as somebody that went to that treatment center, when they get out, they try and hook you up with them as a contact to sort of help uh, reintroduce, reintroduce them into the wild. And I was Gunner's uh, contact getting out of the treatment center. Oh, really? Yeah, I was. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's true. And so we met and we went and had lunch. And then uh, I saw Gunner about a week later because he was getting off to a bit of a rough start. And it's uh, probably your fault. I'm, not sure, I'm certain it was, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then I didn't see Gunner for a while until um, I saw him again when I was then having a rough go of it. And Gunner was uh, back in doing the deal. And uh, we were, you know, had flip-flop positions, so that's that's how I met Gunner. What's up, buddy? How are you? Uh, not much. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to speak with you guys and talk a little bit about recovery. Heck so. yeah, dude. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, definitely. You're a big deal, so it's nice to get <laughs> you on. I don't know about all that. <laughs> yeah. Usually where we start is just a general, your original introduction to the 12-step world. Um what that looked like, why were you being introduced to it, um, and then, you know, kind of what what happened when you first got introduced, and then we'll just see where the conversation takes us from there. Cool. Um, so, back in like 2014, November, December uh, 2014, my drinking had certainly become a problem, uh, and my family strongly suggested that I attend some uh, 12-step meetings. I had a family friend who was very involved and so he took me to a meeting and I sat there and everybody thought that I would probably die within the month um, and so went to the meeting, kind of just was not ready, ended up going to uh, rehab a couple weeks later in December 2014 uh, and that's where I probably actually absorbed the most about like 12 step uh, work and everything uh, but i also spent that whole time that whole month like sitting there looking at how 
all of these people had lost a lot more shit than I had that, mm. you know, they had problems that I didn't have. Um, for the most part, I believed that my family still would put up with me. I hadn't lost my, you know, now wife, um, though she pretty much had like insulated herself and protected herself, which I applaud her for. Um, but anyway, so I get out of treatment and, uh, instantly think that maybe I was just chemically dependent on alcohol and that I could actually <laughs> drink. Like it was maybe just a, a physical problem, um, and not a mental one. So, uh, almost instantly drank, um, in and out of the rooms here locally called my community connection. Uh, he and another guy that I think has been one of your guests took me out to lunch. I told him about a resentment that I had about one of the groups that obviously was just BS, an excuse for me not to want to attend meetings or mm -hmm. get it. Um, and then, so that kind of starts nine months of uh, everything that hadn't happened then happened in those nine months. I was hospitalized like five times. Um, I was arrested at Reagan National Airport, <laughs> or detained, I should say. That's in D.C., right? Yep. God. So, yeah. on a work trip. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, technically it was a citation, but they took me for my safety mm -hmm. for a little while. Uh, and then, you know, that was May, and it took all the way until September 13th, 2015. Uh, and I ended up going back to the place that I'd gone for treatment for just a 15-day, uh, they call it a recommitment to recovery. Um, I basically went for a um, medical detox. I mean, mm -hmm. I had had problems trying to detox on my own in the past and really scared me. So, uh, but since that time, um, thankfully been sober and just been trying to live my recovery as out loud as possible. I decided early on in, in that foray that a um, big part of me struggling was the shame that I felt about being an alcoholic. Mm. And, um, so in order to kind of quell that shame or put it to rest, I decided that anonymity would not be an option for me, that yeah. I didn't want to be anonymous. Um, and it's it's worked out for me and, of course, has had some pitfalls, but for the most part, um, I've I've enjoyed the, the life I've had. Yeah, so. absolutely. Now, what were those nine months or so where you in and out or were you completely out were you like trying to go to meetings and trying to get back under control or was it just i went said i'm not going and then you were just all the way out again oh no i definitely was in and out and collecting 30-day coins and um you know <laughs> trying to put together time and couldn't do it did mm -hmm. an iop locally and you know uh, drank like the day after i got out of the iop mm -hmm. um just really uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that I was trying. I was trying. To, I was making an effort for um, optics for those around me. Right. You know, like mm -hmm. I was trying to make everybody else think that I was really doing the deal. But uh, quite honestly, I was just going through the motions and, mm -hmm. and continuing to drink like a maniac. Mm -hmm. So, were you, was it oh, was it that um, you were? Were you just, I mean, I think, I'm think i guessing by that point you probably had conceded that you were in fact an alcoholic, or maybe you hadn't. Was it, was um, the reason why you were still, you know, it took till September before you had, I guess, had enough, were you still trying to convince yourself that you were an alcoholic, or you were just hadn't had enough? You just 
weren't done yet or what was you know like that nine months like what was going through your your head what were your thought processes during that that time Um, yeah so i think that quite rapidly after i got out tried to drink figured out i couldn't i knew i was an alcoholic but i was hopeless and didn't unwilling to do the work um, okay to get better and so i would always just stop short um like I knew I was an alcoholic, I knew, knew I needed to stop, but I knew if I tried fully uh, the work that I saw others do and have it work in their lives and it didn't work for me, that I was done, I was dead. So it was like a, a fear of failure. So if I didn't try, I couldn't fail. Gotcha. Mm. So Now, I know, I know that you eventually got a sponsor and got into the work. And you got a sponsor. I know some of your story. You got a sponsor who was not very much like you. Is that right? <laughs> How did you go about picking that guy and then deciding that I'm going to actually do the work? Like, I'm going to give this thing a shot. I'm going to do what people are saying in here. Like, what what transpired? Just defeat or something more? Yeah, um, probably some defeat. But I guess to go back to that morning on September 13th, 2015, um, my now wife at the time was living with me, uh, but living in another part of the house, and I was still just drinking all the time, and she had actually gone that night before to a painting class uh, that I couldn't go with her to because it was more important to just be drunk. Yeah. Um, and that morning she came in and uh, showed me the painting that she had done and then went down and was doing laundry, and I, d- I can't explain what happened in that moment. Um, but just a sudden realization like of uh, my circumstance and that death was probably imminent. And mm-hmm. so uh, that was actually the first step, active step that I believe I took in my recovery is I called uh, down to Harmony or down to the place I went. I made all the arrangements. I like That was the first real active um, step that I took uh, to get better. And I don't know what came over me. That moment, you know, it's a God God moment or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, get, got out of the treatment, and I obviously had known people in the rooms for nine months and uh, kind of had this f- feeling that if I picked somebody that made me comfortable, that I would fall back into those same same trends and, and be able to, you know, rest on my laurels or BS my way through it. And so I picked somebody who by all appearances uh, was nothing like me at all. I mean, you know, I'm I'm 140 pounds soaking wet, wear a suit every day. Um, My sponsor's like a 300 pound sober rider. um, (laughs) Like a bike Motorcycle gang guy. So (laughs) certainly uh, we're the odd couple, but uh, forever indebted to him he certainly um, got me through the work got me through the work quickly and thoroughly and that was the biggest thing is i was like i just have to pound through this as fast as possible and hope and pray that at the end i'll have some sort of relief um and then i can build on that yeah and luckily i was was able to so like um we really had a similar experience in that what happened that tipping point that breaking point where 
I guess real. I guess for me, it was like realizing my own defeat. You know, like you talked about having your moment of clarity, and I think Kyle's talked about his too, being in the jail cell and having had that thing. Like we we all we all have that thing, right? That thing where we understand where there's nothing we're going to be able to do to get ourselves out of this situation anymore. Like it's a it's a done deal. And uh, and also picking a sponsor. Now I didn't really. I sort of asked God for somebody, and then the person that God put in my life was somebody that I was also. I think I was intimidated by, and I was afraid of, and uh, that that I thought would hold me accountable. You know, that would take me through the thing. So when you're talking about you know having that moment of clarity and finally, like reaching out and t- taking some action to do something about you know that which ails you, and then putting yourself in an uncomfortable position by asking somebody that's nothing like you if he would take you to the work and somebody that you know is going to hold you accountable. Like those those are things that I had to do also because I just know myself too well, and if I can. If I've got any wiggle room, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage of that for sure. Definitely. Um, yeah, I used to say, and still do. I mean, I I love a loophole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I could find all sorts of loophole loopholes in the work and in the in the text that I could exploit to keep myself sick. You know. Yeah. So now, did you? Was the effect pretty quick? And you had a dramatic transformation in your outlook and you know life is taking on new meaning or what because like you said you hammered through the work what kind of happened after that are you immediately transformed or is it a slow process uh no i think yeah when i got through you know the so my stumbling block had always been in my mind was you know i sat on a fourth step with a sponsor sponsor in the those nine months you know, through numerous meetings and canceled meetings on my part. And um, so when I'd completed that and done my fifth step uh, with someone, um, I really felt like this, like, renewed hope that I could could do this and uh, ultimately pounded through the rest to the best of my ability. Um, and then I had what I consider, like, a crucible moment in sobriety, and it was actually at, like, 45 days sober. And there was this huge life event that, um, happened and, uh, don't, can't really, it's not my story to tell that portion, but, um, I've never wanted to drink so bad in my life. And I drove from my office to my house by multiple liquor stores and I stood in my kitchen and I just shook and I prayed and just waited and prayed and waited and prayed. And, uh, you know, I was praying for minute by minute sobriety at that point and, uh, I got through that night and it was like this overwhelming sense of relief that I can actually do this. I can be faced with um, every excuse in my mind to pick up and I didn't. (laughs) And so I think that as I've gone through the next four and a half years, you know, I've always looked back on that moment if something's difficult or if, um, you know, and and really look at it and be like, well, you made it through that, you know, you know what to do. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I know your wife. I've known her. Uh, I've known her since we, we were in grade school together. And um, like, I know that she has been supportive of you through this entire thing. Although, like much, much like my wife, she's had a a lot of breaking points herself. It's just really hard to sit and watch somebody that you love and care about uh, destroy themselves, and and that uh, and, you know, and and everything around them really. And uh, I'm just wondering what. 
that relationship with her has been like because you know even in my first time in sobriety or, or the time before i got it this time um my wife wasn't always happy with the person I had become. I was sober, but I was um, pretty. I got it became pretty self righteous, and then later she was like, "You're sort of an asshole," you know, and was you know real honest with me about it. And then uh, this time around, we together we've had a much different experience, and I know that um, she's seen changes in me that I I, I doubt that she thought were possible. I was wondering if you just tell a little bit of what it's been like for her and what. Uh, you know, how your relationship has um, evolved as a result of, you know, what you've been through in the last four years, five years. Yeah. Uh, obviously, in the beginning, um, she was s skeptical, or I don't know if skeptical, but she was, you know, tried to be realistic about the outlook. Um, she has done some work in the recovery field or kind of... Uh, related to that she was worked with some treatment court programs and so she had a, a pretty good eye, or understanding of of what um challenges people face in recovery and how many stumbles they can actually have before uh, they get it so it has been you know amazing i was sober for a year before we actually got married that was a condition um that she you know, kind of had on the whole situation, which is understandable. So we got married seven days after I had a, a year sober. Um, but she is very good at uh, protecting herself. Um, and she's very good at calling me on when I'm I'm being an asshole. Nice. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> you know, like, she's never been to a 12-step uh, meeting. She's never been to an Al-Anon or, you know, family 12-step meeting uh, but she's completely recovered member of that community i would say you know she uh she also can always tell me when i'm not minding my own side of the street and i still uh, even you know four and a half years sober and thinking i'm doing pretty good i will oftentimes find myself trying to control things that are none of my business mm. or having opinions of things that are none of my business mm. and she does a pretty good job of reminding me of who I am and what I need to be concerned about. So yeah. I'll be forever grateful for the patience that she exhibited mm -hmm. um, to, you know, be with me because it was not an easy person. And she says she knew the first time we ever uh, met back up um, before we started dating, uh, she had reached out to me and just said, I'm back in town. Would you like to get a dinner or a coffee? And I was like, we should get a drink. And I had like four vodka sodas, and she had about a quarter of a beer. And she said she knew like from that first meeting that I had a drinking problem. But, uh, you know, we are where we are today. And the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah. yeah. You were talking about um, living your recovery out loud. And I don't know how much, if you feel comfortable talking about all of it, about like kind of what you do today. And um, But I would think that that comes with a lot of freedom just knowing what you do i would think not being open about your recovery would be putting you in a place where you have to live a double life and pretend one way and act one way but because you're kind of a public figure around here and so what is that like and does that i mean i would imagine it's much easier to just kind of own your stuff and be be comfortable with who you are in your story yeah definitely so um kind of to the 12-step thing 
you know, the rigorous honesty thing. I always looked at that and was like, well, how can I be rigorously honest if I'm anonymous and not honest with the, the people, um, everybody I encounter? So you alluded to, I'm, I'm a public figure. I'm a, an elected official here in our hometown. And when I was running for office, uh, I, I had not been anonymous before that, but, you know, I don't wear a shirt that says I'm an alcoholic um, around town or a hat. Uh, but a lo- most everybody in my life n- knows that I'm in recovery. And so when I decided to run for office, I knew that I needed to make sure that that was open and honest with everybody, uh, especially the voters in our community. So um, I actually hit a thousand days sober about three months into my campaign, and so I did um, a video kind of explaining who I was, what recovery meant to me, why I was um, being open and honest about it, and what I hope to achieve by doing that. And that's, Mm -hmm. like I mentioned in the beginning, just kind of kill that shame that a lot of people feel, um, and the the thought that, you know, in, in recovery, your life is going to be, I always say, bad coffee in church basements. Like, and that's yeah. not that's not what I wanted for my life. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's what a lot of people fear their life will be. And I wanted to show that it doesn't have to be that way. Um, so yeah, it was funny. Uh, somebody thought they really were going to have one over on me when I was running and tell people that I was an alcoholic and um, kind of was like welcomed that. Yeah. yeah, please tell. Yeah, yeah. share sure. as much as you want. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And to your point about bad, co- do I sound equity to you? Do I sound a little bit, right? but it's what's going on? Is it your fault? No. Okay. It's you. Um, it's okay. But to your point about it, you know, not being ba- um, uh, a bad coffee in, in church basements. That's one of the reasons why we started. We were motivated to start this podcast. Is you know, along the way, I meet a lot of people that are having a lot of different experiences. But I got we. I just got tired of the narrative that. You know, recovery is terrible and difficult and no fun. And, you know, uh, it's been quite the opposite. We've had the opposite um, effect in our lives. We're able to live in a way now that we were never able to before, you know. And, like, uh, you know, we wanted to share that with the other people out there that are having the same experience as us or people that might not know and think that it is, you know, that and people think we go to classes all the time, you know, <laughs> like, what are you guys doing those classes? And, uh, you know, like, I don't know, I'm living a life that, um, I had, um, desire to live prior to getting sober, but lacked the power to live, you know? So, uh, I don't know. The, you know the fact that you're going out here and, and, and but you'd already sort of been um you know successful in your career right like um you know prior to getting sober you'd had some success in your career uh has that um have you have you found yourself more effective in your career since you got sober or you know is that something that largely went unaffected you know prior to you getting sober was your ability to do your job I would say that I'm certainly more effective. I mean, I would, uh, I did well um, before, and I think that was one of the problems and one of the things that kept me from uh, getting better. Uh, is that, like I said, when I was at treatment, I was just like, man, these guys have problems. Like, I don't have, I don't have these kind of problems. I just, you know, have to drink every single day, or else I have shakes. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like so. Um, I think that uh, it's made me, you know, a better person all around, and I think that helps you do any job. Um, certainly more caring, uh, more compassionate. I lacked c- 
empathy uh, in my addiction and um, mm. you know often thought people bad things happened to people and they probably deserved it and mm-hmm. you know that was such a skewed worldview but then if bad things happened to me I definitely didn't deserve this <laughs> and it was had to be somebody else's fault that they were doing this to me and ultimately they'd get theirs um, <laughs> so uh, I've, I've really seen a shift not necessarily in the um, quantity of my you know say earnings but in the quality of the job I do and how I feel about that job mm-hmm. um, is so much so much better and so much more today than than it ever was before actually mm-hmm. you know um, enjoy the work not just do the work to get done with the day to yeah uh, to drink so absolutely do you like I know like your what is your life look like today you know we were talking before the podcast started that meeting attendance isn't as high as it used to be like what what is your day like because like you're with two dudes that you know neither of our meeting attendance is that high either and what is your day like you know do you do a lot of prayer do you do meditation do you have outside stuff that you apply to your life that also and the cool part about the podcast is we can talk about whatever you don't have to you know like we talk about books and all kinds of stuff on here so what is your What's your day look like today? Um, so, yeah, get up. Um, generally, uh, my wife goes to work a lot earlier than I do, so there's some time in the morning where it is just kind of like me and my dogs and just kind of like quiet reflection. I wouldn't say it's a, a concentrated effort every morning to like sit and be silent, um, but just kind of uh, an appreciation of, of what my life is, how full it is. Uh, I say a lot that you know a lot of people talk about being busy. Everybody's busy, um, but today my life is full, and that is an amazing feeling. Um, so just kind of look at what my day will be. Uh, generally, tar- try and talk to somebody else in recovery at least every day, mm-hmm. um, because I don't make meetings as much. Uh, so I go and do my one job of real estate, and then often have other meetings um, for my elected position. The nice thing about that is there's a that inner um that job has a lot of avenues that intertwine with kind of overall community wellness and recovery in the community um, from like treatment courts to our jail population Uh, so i'm able to add my perspective uh, to that from a from a life experience um and then you know just appreciate everything in my life even uh, the the hard and challenging moments i'm able to actually appreciate because i'm experiencing them i'm not um, just present or Mm -hmm. you know just a passive um, participant in life anymore like i can be a a very active role and and feel i can feel sad Mm -hmm. i can feel overwhelmed i can feel happy and um you know take in those feelings and not necessarily have to drink over it hmm. yeah so. absolutely go ahead uh, i was gonna say you're pretty uh you're pretty active also too in the um with the treatment center that we went to uh i know that you went back there and did um they have a new thing now where uh, alumni can go back there for a few days and actually uh you know participate in, in the same activities as we, we did when we went there and then i saw that you were doing help i think it was i think it was a it was the duck thing i don't know if it was a fundraiser but i saw you were doing that like how important is that 
to you to go back and um, like again be a face of something and also let those guys know because you know when when we're in there you know we hear a lot about success rates and we hear the narrative that it's hard and terrible and like um, you know when you're going back there you're showing a, a, a sign of success and the things that are possible and so how important is it for you to go back to that treatment center and let those guys and give those guys some hope and let them know like hey if you get to work if you do this deal sky's the limit kind of a deal like how important is that to you yeah uh, especially in the last year year and a half as um, my attendance at you know local 12-step meetings has kind of dropped off I've tried to take a lot more active role in um, giving back or being involved I guess is more the right word to to where we all went to treatment because I do feel the same debt I feel I owe to uh, a 12-step organization I feel I owe that same debt to to the treatment center and so um, it's it's an awesome feeling it's it's scary uh, you know you go back there and you see some of these guys and you're just terrified for some of them still because you see kind of sometimes the same thing uh, and the same feelings that you had about maybe I'm not and you know what could come for them mm-hmm. and and honestly the the truth of it is is that I should be dead like I shouldn't have made it through those nine months mm-hmm. there's um, really you know strong evidence to support based upon my blood alcohol levels and and everything that that I shouldn't be alive so I been talking a lot lately about like this is my bonus life Mm -hmm. what do i want to do with my bonus life Mm -hmm. and a big part of that is to try and help other people get to their bonus life so they can do all the things um, that they want to do that they think aren't attainable Mm -hmm. you know a career in politics has been my uh, dream since i was in fifth grade and by like 28 i knew i drank too much that that probably was never going to happen and now you look at 36 you know four and a half years sober what what my life is today i didn't think was possible even if i had even when i was doing the work like i didn't think like in in recovery that a lot of these things were attainable and um thank god they have been so yeah i think that's a like I, I used to say a lot that if I would have drawn up the life that I wanted when I was getting sober, I would have sold myself short, you know, because it was like, I just don't want to drink and whatever else I'm good with. And like today to be engaged and have a job and a home and all of this great life stuff and a dog and, you know, a sense of purpose in my life and in my recovery community and stuff. It's like none of that is stuff that I w- thought was possible, you know, like that's just stuff that's like so far-fetched for a drunk like me or you to be like that's the life i'm gonna get today you know and um so i think you being so open to talk about that is so powerful and i mean that's why we wanted to do the podcast is because it's like if we were just talking about sitting in meetings all the time you know this would be a pretty boring ass podcast (laughs) but it's like no man like we get to live life today i get to participate in life i get to do things i get to read new stuff i get to participate i get to be active i get to do all of this stuff that um the common narrative is that like alcoholics don't do that kind of thing you know so i just i love that we find people like you that come on this and share that experience because aaron and i are having that experience as well and it's it's nice to be around people that are doing the same thing yeah and i mean i appreciate the hell out of you guys for putting the effort you do into into this thing and Mm -hmm. uh 
you know, getting that word out there. So, because I think that does ultimately save lives, like mm-hmm. hands down. Um, that in my in my mind, um, the more we talk about recovery and what it can be, the more people will be, you know, attracted rather than promoted. Yes. Um, you know, we want people to want what we have. Well, I'm sorry, I don't want what some people have. And if it's <laughs> yeah. just true that if it's people. just you know. <laughs> yeah bitching about yeah. you know yeah the day yeah, <laughs> yeah the yeah. line at the post office like <laughs> yeah. fuck that's not my life right <laughs> i don't want to go to 617 meetings a week and complain at all of them yeah yeah it's yeah. not a good time no <laughs> it's not um so you had mentioned that you're in real estate and so uh disclosure anybody that's listened to the you know, majority of our podcast i talk about you know a couple months sober having the realization that um, I could, you know, make a pretty large amend by uh, selling the old house and taking some of the money that um, we'd made off of that and, and paying off some debt and, and even getting it into a new place. And uh, Gunner was the uh, real estate agent that helped me out with that. And it was funny. That's how I got to know you. It wasn't even through our 12-step world that we really developed a relationship. It was when you were working with me as a realtor and we were able to get in this, um, you know, fantastic home and it was weird i remember that was when i was um i didn't do anything without asking god first and now i've become a little more self-reliant but but i was like asking god for uh you know i was like i I need a realtor i'm thinking about asking this guy um because i know he's in the program i'm just going to go to this meeting that i never go to and if he's there i'm going to ask him and i don't know if you've been to that meeting since but i don't think you go to that one a whole lot either and sure enough you were there (laughs) and i was like oh it's perfect it's meant to be And and it really was meant to be like we we had such a fantastic experience doing that um i'm wondering if it ever goes the other way like if through your um your personal like through your um elected position or through your work if you are ever referred to the way sort of the way i came into that guy this morning are you ever referred to um people that are struggling with a drinking problem that you need to reach out to or a drug problem that you need to reach out to do you ever get that based on the 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 public knowledge that you you know have had an alcohol problem in your life yeah um definitely and and that's kind of what i had hoped or would be a a side effect of me living in the non non-anonymous life um you know have had concerted meetings where people have uh, reached out uh, to talk about theirs their their drinking or family members have asked me to reach out and meet with with people and even just sometimes in casual conversation about other issues people will kind of just lay it on you like yeah i probably drink too much but i just i just don't know (laughs) and you know like that they feel comfortable uh comfortable having that conversation and and there's a lot of times that i'm not able to that i might not be the best fit for that person given like a a different relationship we have so that's the great thing about uh, the program and all the people that i i know um that i'm able to kind of hand some of those folks off to people that i know are living it and Mm -hmm. are the real deal yeah Um, instead of just being like well go here at noon and somebody will save your life yes like yeah i think that's one of the biggest values i've found is being a connector between because like in my job too you know i end up having a lot of people that end up working for me and sometimes that those my those two worlds overlap and it's like my role here isn't to be recovered kyle and 12 step you my role is to introduce you to someone and just connect you and aaron is usually my go-to on that but it's there's a lot of value that comes in that and i would think 
it's the same thing, you know. If no one knew that I would used to drink like a fucking fish and had problems, then no one in the workplace would know. So it's like I try to be as open as I can without doing any sort of, prom- you know, promoting. It's like a hard balance. How do you find that? Yeah, so like I said, I'm, I'm not anonymous. Um, I try and recover out, out loud as possible, but I, I try very hard to not, like, proselytize or be like, you know, the woes of drinking, like mm-hmm. pounding my fist like some teetotaler. Like, <laughs> yeah. I understand that 90% of the population, probably not that many, but, you know, a large segment of the population does not, in fact, have a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I am the minority. Yeah. Uh, so I have no problem with, with folks drinking. And I try, though, being an alcoholic and being in recovery certainly colors every decision I make, um, mm-hmm. I would say. I try not to you know, lead with that fact on every, yeah. everything like, you know, well, as an alcoholic, I think that this and this and this, like, <laughs> nobody you know, wants to hear that. Nobody, you know, no. I don't want to, I don't want people knocking at my door telling me about, you know, Jesus. I don't need, I, yeah. I don't need to be knocking on people's door and telling them about alcoholics. Yeah. 12 step meeting. So yeah, right. for sure. You know? <laughs> so Yeah. It's a hard balance to like own it, but not like you said, turn it into I'm the guy that's shaking my finger at everyone, you know, it's kind of tough to figure that out. So I would think in your position, it's even harder because mine is, you know, impacting 20 people where (laughs) yours is much bigger. So, yeah, I guess it's probably some trial and error. There's probably some, some, (laughs) some things I've whiffed on, Mm -hmm. um, in hindsight, but you know, you don't know unless you try and you just kind of, and old me would have let like any of those failures or anything or uh, a mistake, you know, I would dwell on that mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever. But now I just kind of have to, you know, learn from it and move on. And hopefully the next time I don't I don't uh, necessarily push somebody away or right. do something like that. Yeah. I know that you and Jess have uh, dogs. You guys have the four-legged family. And that's something, obviously, that Amber and I have, too, uh, which I like, like... Uh, my wife spends a lot of time shopping for dog clothes and doing stuff like that. Uh, and so like, I like when I see on Facebook, you know, you post about your dogs and your dog, you, you have a dog named after a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got, <laughs> well, I've got one dog named after a dive bar in the highlands of Denver. Okay. What, um, that's Zio, but then our younger one is named Jennifer Aniston. And how does that, how does how that come about? Are you just a big fan or no? The so wife is nope. Uh, <laughs> or you dislike Jennifer Aniston and that's a diss. No, I don't. So we were getting this. We went to meet this dog at the rescue place, and I would have a hundred dogs if we could. But my wife's like, I had a talker, and I was like, let's just go look. I knew, <laughs> I knew if she looked, like we would get this dog. Yeah. So but then we started, you know, spitballing dog names, and um, started joking about how funny it would be to, you know, shout in the backyard like Jennifer Aniston, stop, ta- <laughs> stop taking a shit in the yard, and just, just like a celebrity name. So uh, that just kind of it sounded the funniest and we could call her Ani. So we went with that. And then actually after, so my, uh, the only campaign promise I made the whole time I was running my campaign was to my wife. And it was that if I won for her putting up with me being gone all the time or her having to go and do events with me was that we could get a cat. Um, so that was the only campaign promise I made. Um, ultimately I won. So we tried to get a cat. And we tried to name the cat Oprah, 
but uh, the dogs didn't take to the cat too well. <laughs> Real broken up about that. But <laughs> so I I tried to fulfill my only campaign yeah. promise, but nature just wouldn't have any of it. So hey, God's will just happens, right? Yep, yeah. yep certainly. <laughs> now, uh, wait, what do you want to be doing going forward? Like, what is in your personal life, in your professional life, in your recovery life? Like, what do you what do you see yourself trying to do? You know, you you're a goal-oriented guy you have ambition you've got a lot going on in your life like what's next for you yeah so even um even being so goal-oriented i still am very much grounded in the fact that i gotta live you know everything starts with the day Mm -hmm. like get through the day so my bigger aspirations um you know i'd like to just fulfill my term Mm -hmm. and see how that goes there's some projects i'd like to complete at the county level uh, see you know expansion of some of our treatment options um, luckily there's some money coming hopefully from the legislature that'll hopefully reduce recidivism rates um, mm. and do some mental health stuff at the local level so i'm That's really awesome. looking forward to that um but i just want to continue to you know take an active role in not only my community um, as a whole, but in the recovery community, figure out different ways to be of service um, and just kind of take, you know, a life a lifetime of sobriety or a lifetime in recovery is, you know, like an elephant. Mm-hmm. And so just taking it one bite at a time and, and just taking on life as it comes yeah. um, instead of trying to plan so, so much. You know, I'd by the time I was like 14, I had all my life planned out and not a single one of those things has come to fruition, you know, like, so just trying to, um, be realistic about my future, um, knowing that there are some, some cool things that if I continue to make the right decisions and, and do the work continually, mm-hmm. um, that those kind of doors will open up for me. Yeah, for sure. But did I just hear you on the recovered AF podcast announce your run for mayor (laughs) 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 sorry uh anyway that's just fuck we're we're gonna pass on that one i I, I enjoy Uh, the i enjoy the job at the county that i have yeah absolutely (laughs) gotcha stay in my lane yeah (laughs) it's a good idea i think that's a good idea um the other one thing i wanted to touch on i wanted to ask what you and jess do why do i sound so terrible god i don't think you do oh, okay what fine. what uh what do you what do you guys do like i saw you just got back from uh, arizona and doing some golfing is there something that you do when you want when you like to step away from you know what's going on in the world that sort of um re-energizes or recharges your batteries is there a hobby or something that you like to pursue when you need to put you know life down for a second yeah golf um and so that would be the one that like i do just myself my wife isn't a golfer as hard as i've tried to get her to be um but even though i'm no good at it i wouldn't say that don't you have a couple hole in ones one and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you get a half? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. So it was a one-man scramble, so you get to play two balls. Oh, okay. So yeah. I hit my first one, um, and I actually would have played that shot any day of the week and then dropped my second one down and <laughs> yeah. hit it in. So I consider that a half a hole in okay. one. Okay, yeah. All right. Um, and my other one was my first sober Cheyenne day, which people from not around here, <laughs> Cheyenne day is probably the biggest drinking day in 
in yeah. Wyoming. Yeah, by <laughs> far. I chose to go to the golf course and <laughs> that's awesome. And and got one that day. But yeah, no golf and sun. I mean, if I just want to not think about work or um, any of any of the stresses of life, I enjoy golf. And my wife and I just uh, we like quiet downtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just the ability to do nothing. Um, Cause that's not something I had before, like no way or silence. Like I couldn't deal with silence, um, mm-hmm. and now I could if I had to. Wouldn't choose to, but you know, I could sit in silence <laughs> yeah. for a long period of time. But my my mind would have chewed on me so much in the past. Yeah, that, uh, it's nice to be able to to do that. Yeah. So. Do you do any traveling or anything? We've done a little bit. Um, yeah. Both of our work schedules are kind of tough to coordinate any travel together and she does a lot of travel for work so Mm. um sometimes the thought of doing travel for recreation for her is like you know i'm gonna have a staycation can we have a staycation Mm, yeah (laughs) for sure but yeah we went to hawaii for our honeymoon um you know i've done some other smaller trips um Mm -hmm. so we'll see in this next year hopefully we'll get get somewhere again mm-hmm. that's awesome i don't really like to travel i think i do and i'm like we should do some more traveling and then every time i travel i'm like this is why i don't travel i'm more of a regional traveler like i could do you know a trip around the state kind of travel you know but nothing that involves getting too far out of my comfort zone <laughs> yeah that's that's crazy talk yeah. <laughs> yeah in hindsight i've freaked myself out about our trip to hawaii like three years post the trip to hawaii <laughs> like, i was like you were just on an island you're just like it's really small what if something had happened I'm like nothing fucking happened and it's been three years ago are you gonna get upset about something like, it didn't even happen yeah that didn't even happen yeah. but but i'm an alcoholic so that's what yeah. i do yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome what about like um i don't i listen to a lot of podcasts so see that's probably why we started a podcast but what about you ever listen to any podcasts or or listen to books or read books or get any of that kind of stuff uh so just kind of recently started getting into more podcast stuff i'm a um i love like true crime yeah you know and there's a lot of them out there too yeah and my wife always jokes like because i'll fall asleep to dateline yeah. like, that's my go-to you know yeah. dvr some and just turn it on i'm asleep in like five minutes that's awesome i tell her that i watch snapped so i know what to watch for if she's ever gonna come after me yeah. you know, watch for the signs but um and then a big part of kind of even my life before recovery was more of a an eastern uh philosophy or eastern religion so i like a lot of uh like zen meditation books and uh, like marcus aurelius uh, stoicism like i've been reading a lot on yeah. stoicism a guy gave me uh, quite a few books on that so we just had a guest on a few weeks ago randy who's big into stoic philosophers yeah and I've it was weird. We have a Instagram page for this that I ended up following a stoic quoting uh, uh, thing that every day spits out a new quote. And Marcus Aurelius is one of them, like three times a week usually. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And I don't know if you guys have felt this. Maybe it's just one of those self fulfilling like things. But I feel like a lot of that philosophy at least fits with my personal view on recovery and getting better and mm-hmm. um like how i want to ch- choose to live my life you know like virtue and absolutely um, you know there was a time where my favorite quote uh, in the world was uh, marcus aurelius quote and it was 
a quote that helped me deny the existence of a higher power. Um, but it was about, you know, if there are gods, um, they shouldn't require you to worship them. And if they do, they're not worth worshiping. And like, you know, like kind of along those lines. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yep, that's me. Like, there's no God. <laughs> and if there was, and they'd be mad about it, screw them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So. Uh, does watching so this is what happens when i watch too much dateline because i'm like i also i'd get i used to dvr dateline so i could you know watch it every sunday and friday and um but then i started getting this probably irrational feeler that somehow um my wife was going to end up dead and i was definitely going to get blamed for it and the cops were going to haul me in do you ever get that when you watch because like every episode of dateline is whether the guy actually murdered his wife or not and i was just like i don't know what i know what to do if i accidentally ever get pulled in on something that i didn't do ask for an attorney <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly none of those people ask for attorneys but yeah, yeah no you're right like jess and i joke a lot about um different scenarios like or if she's walking down the stairs yeah. like if i fell they think that you pushed me yep. and like, last night even she slept in the downstairs um guest bedroom just to cause she's like the pillows are so comfortable i'm gonna go sleep down there and i'm just like if a killer came in yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's what happens like, when we so watch dateline i'm so yeah. going to jail yep but, no way around it like i said i can't believe that those people don't ask for attorneys 90 yeah. <laughs> percent. maybe the reason why they're all getting caught is because they actually did murder their wives though so yeah there's that then i watched a show about false confessions and i was oh, like yeah. why do you keep talking yeah, just like, why, do you, why do you let them have you in a room for 15 hours <laughs> exercise <laughs> your rights to yeah. an attorney that on netflix that confession i've watched some on yeah. there and then there's a podcast about it um it's crazy yeah, yeah. just like it happens all the time yeah i'm like how do you, you i don't know i don't think that i've led that much more of an exposed life that i know that like you know the fourth amendment exists true <laughs> <laughs> like, that dude oh that's funny right on well we're getting close to an hour uh marty do you have anything else uh, I don't think I don't think I have any questions. I just want to thank you for sitting down and and being on here, you know, and you know, sharing your story. I know that you said you've, uh, you know, you've been in the public eye, and uh, you know, I just when, I don't I don't know if anybody's ever got to you know listen to you sit here and talk about going through the work and your life changing as a result of it and uh, and uh, the struggles leading up to that. So just thanks for sitting down and, and talking about that aspect of it with us. Oh, no, thank you guys so much for having me in here. I know we've talked for a couple months and mm-hmm. about get, getting together, and I'm glad that I, I could do it and happy to do it any time. Yeah. I think that you guys are doing an awesome, awesome job, and I think that this uh, this is what recovery should be, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this stands the greatest chance of success. It beats those odds, you know, that gets people so discouraged yeah mm-hmm. yeah so absolutely well thank you very much gunner for being a part of it man yep. i appreciate it thank you guys aaron do you want to plug our shit real quick oh yeah we do we have an email it's called uh, recovered af podcast at gmail.com correct and um also we have a instagram page yeah it's called just a recovered af podcast got it that reminds me it's a little late now i thought about this with gunner being on it um he might attract some listeners that don't normally listen to it and i was going to you know offer up a disclaimer that there was probably going to be some profanity and then i just introduced the podcast as recovered as fuck and then we mm. went through the whole thing and i'm just now occurring to me that i should have offered up some sort of a profanity disclaimer but i guess it's too late 
Well, people that know me know that I often say my only vices I have left are like chocolate chip cookies and cursing. So I don't think that they'll be too surprised that I'm on something that oh, and, some I, and, that, and that I used some swearing as well. Okay, so. that's awesome. All cool. Right. Thanks again, Gunner. Thanks.